Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Just Cool With It, a podcast where we talk about how society influences our favorite, and sometimes least favorite, horror movies. Uh, I'm Nikki. And I'm Kate. And today we talked about, this is a long title, An American Werewolf in London. It wasn't that long. It wasn't that long. <laughs> it is also our first patron pick. <gasps> it is! Yeah. I'm so excited. And I think it's funny that we have a werewolf movie right after. Yep. That was totally intentional. We did it on purpose. We knew they'd pick this one. Mm -hmm. We knew. Also, I don't know if you can tell if the energy is different from listening. <gasps> We're in the same room. We're in the same room. It's which wild. I, I would say it's really exciting, but Kate and I edit already in yep. person. <laughs> so really, Next it's back, just baby. like, it's just another thing we do in person now. There's mm -hmm. Oreos. Okay, I also want to say that they're s'more there's, Oreos. They're s'moreos, yeah. But they didn't call them s'moreos. Which was really a mistake, a missed Why opportunity. Why didn't they do that? I don't know. All they had to do was put the little S in the... Mm -hmm. I can picture the marketing and they... Yeah. We don't need to get into it because I'm not here to it. complain about that, but yeah. I was pretty upset about it today. <laughs> subscribe to our Patreon to hear us. <laughs> yeah, subscribe to our Patreon where we only talk about the branding of cookies. Um, I have so much to say. Um, oh, but that means it's my turn for facts. Sure is. Okay, okay, okay. Let me open my book. Some more ASMR. I was about to say that sweet, sweet page turning. <laughs> I can. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay. So this movie was made in 1981. Duh. You probably already knew that. It was directed by John Landis. And I wrote down all of the movies that he directed because this man has done quite a bit. Uh, classics, if you will. Uh, so he directed Animal House, Blue's Brothers, Trading Places, Three Amigos, Coming to America, Beverly Hills Cop 3, and the music videos for Michael Jackson, Thriller, in Black or White. Yeah, apparently Michael Jackson was a huge fan of the makeup yeah. in American Werewolf in London. Which, uh, I have something to say about that in a minute, Excited. too. Um, the music was Elmer Bernstein. He worked mostly with John Landis. Like, that's kind of what he did. In his, like, bio, it literally says, known for collaborating with John Landis. And I was like, great. Um, so he did Animal House... He did Ghostbusters. He did the Black Cauldron. Oh my God. Which I Princess Ailanwe. I, I, oh, I love the Black Cauldron. Uh, and he also did Cape Fear. Hmm. So fun stuff all around. Uh, cinematography was Robert Painter. Not a, not a ton about him, but he also did Thriller. He did the cinematography for Thriller. Um, and Muppets Take Manhattan. <laughs> what? So different. Oh my. Um, I want Muppets Take Manhattan by the same man as. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been on the cover of this movie. Mm -hmm. Be like, as seen in the Muppets. Although I think this was first. <laughs> but uh, whatever. There actually is something about how this was marketed based on Landis's other movies. We'll get into that, though. I think I saw. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the budget was $5.8 hmm. So it was really similar to Ginger Snaps. Ginger Snaps was 4.5. Oh. Um, but guess how much this one made? One billion. No, um, hold on, hold one on. of these days you're going to be right. <laughs> <laughs> Never. 10 million. 62 million. Oh boy. Oh, yeah. Okay. So had a similar budget to Ginger Snaps, but Ginger Snaps made 572,000, if you remember. I have not once been close on any of these guesses. <laughs> one of these days, like I said, you're going to say a billion and I'm going to go, yes. you got it. <laughs> uh, and my last 
Uh, I have a few fun facts, actually. This one had a lot of fun facts, so mine's been a little longer. This was the first movie to ever, in the history of the Academy Awards, to win Best Makeup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And here's the fun fact that I was going to say. I used to work at Universal Studios, uh, and I've seen the the mechanism that stretches his mouth. It's in a show called the monster makeup show or something like that there's a show at universal that teaches you all about monster movies and how they're made it's really cool um and they have it there and they always bring it out at the end of the show because it's scripted and um they bring it out and you can see it it's like a wolf mouth but it's like a robot basically and it just is like it's like inside of itself sort of and it like inches its way out and that's what stretches and then they put the you know the skin over it it's so cool. It's um, really cool. We used to have our staff meetings in the room that they filmed that show. <gasps> so whenever we would have staff meetings, it would just sit there and be like, bleh, bleh. doing its little stretch. <laughs> Big stretchies. Very cool. Um, so yeah, that was part of that. That's a fun fact. But also, this other fun fact, guess when this movie was written? Uh, it was. I know this, but you I do? want you to tell them. It was 1969. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this nice. movie was written way, way long before it was filmed because... No one wanted to buy it because they thought it was too frightening to be a comedy and too funny to be a horror movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and boy, I get it. Um, yeah. So those are my fun facts. A few more than before, mainly because I wanted to brag about I got to see the the face in person. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's really cool to see. After watching like the movie, I was like, I see it now because I've seen it without its skin. So... <laughs> Okay, so those are all my facts. Yes. Oh, no. You're ready for the summary. I forgot. I forgot this time. Well, this is going to be pure right from the heart. It is because I forgot completely that I do this I, every time. I was even wondering, like, I wonder how Nikki will summarize no. this. It's off the dome. Two boys go to London. Two boys who look very similar. Two boys who look so similar, <laughs> honestly. Two, I would say they're like young adult, like late teens, but they look like young adult they're like 20s they go to london i think london i think they might be in scotland or ireland wales at first, or wales they're somewhere it's somewhere i don't they're not in london at first yeah. at first um they're in the moors <gasps> um so they're walking around they get dropped off by like a sheep farmer and they're just like see ya uh and he drops them off in the middle of nowhere and they walk and they walk and they walk and they make some bad jokes that we'll talk about later yeah kate gets it <clears throat> so they walk and they walk they get to this bar called i think the slaughtered lamb yeah okay slaughtered lamb and there's no lamb on the thing it's really weird i don't know who's the, go- lamb, though? who's the lamb though they're the lamb so they go into the bar they look at them like how dare you come here and they don't care and they just sit down and they're like hello do you have any food and the lady's like no <laughs> um they find a creepy star on the wall the guy asks about it and he's like we're not gonna tell you um and a then pentangle. A pentangle. Which They've cracked me up. <laughs> I laughed pretty hard. <laughs> I put all in caps, pentangle? Oh my God. There were some lines in this movie that genuinely cracked me up. Mm-hmm. So they leave because they ask a question and everyone gets offended. They're like, you gotta go. So they leave and then the howling begins. And they tell them like, beware the moors. And so they, of course, walk through the moors and it's raining. And um, they hear the howling from the bar. And everyone's like, we need to go back for them. And everyone's like, no. <laughs> so they don't really. And then, of course, surprise, surprise, a werewolf jumps out, kills the one guy. Jack. Jack. Thank you for remembering all the names because you know I don't. Uh, and then David. David. Did That's I get right. it? Yes. Yeah. David fucking runs. Mm-hmm. He's just like, peace. I don't, I can't. And then after like way too long, he goes, 
I have to go back for Jack. Mm-hmm. Jack's fucking dead. Oh, yeah. So dead. And then the wolf attacks David, but the townspeople have come to their senses and decided it's time to save David. And they save him. And for some reason, they let him go, even though they know full well that he's a werewolf now. Weird. I don't care. Whatever. And then surprise, surprise, again, David goes to London. Hence the name. He's in London now. Shit goes very bad. Hence the name He's in London Now. Hence the name He's in London Now. That's the name of the movie. It's called He's in London Now. Listen, I said it was off the dome. Yeah, I told you. So yeah, he's in London. Shit goes really bad. He has like a new girlfriend who's a nurse and that's good for him, I guess. I don't really know their chemistry was out of nowhere, but we'll talk about that too. Um, David dies. Surprise, surprise. Wild. That's my third surprise, surprise. Because surprise. There weren't a lot of surprises. <laughs> and yet there were. We'll talk about that too. Yeah. That's my summary. Are you going to give us a real one? <laughs> I'm embarrassed for this one. I'm going to give you one from Rotten Tomatoes this time. Okay, 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 okay. David and Jack, two American college students, are backpacking through Britain when a large wolf attacks them. David survives with a bite, but Jack is brutally killed. As David heals in the hospital, he's plagued by violent nightmares of his mutilated friend who warns David that he is becoming a werewolf. When David discovers the horrible truth, he contemplates committing suicide before the next full moon causes him to transform from man to murderous beast. I That's a great one. I, I love it. But here's what makes me so upset is in how few words they sum up these movies. I'm just, Very pithy. I'm just so upset because I'll never be able to do it. I I focus on the wrong stuff. Listen, I tried it once because remember when I was so salty about how everyone summarized Jennifer's body poorly? And yeah. so I was like, I'm going to write my own. I tried. It's hard. It did not go well. Now try doing it after you forgot that it's something you do and you have to do it with no preparation. That's... No, we chose you for a reason. <laughs> it's because I got that improv background. It does. It's not I good. Not. I don't like that that's how I'm telling people I have improv background. I'm good. I'm good. I promise. <laughs> I just don't like summarizing movies, okay? That's fair. <laughs> uh, okay. And I'm really excited because I have, again, no idea what you're going to talk about, even a little bit. Remember one episode uh-huh. where I said, I always have an inkling? Uh-huh. I don't. I never do. No. At all. Uh, can we talk about it? We can talk about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I actually want to explore why this movie became a classic. Mm-hmm. Some say classic, some say cult classic, whatever. Whatever it, it is. It's a classic in some form. That's not the part I'm actually super interested in. So I have three parts of my thesis. So one, werewolves weren't done to death yet. In 1981, it wasn't like overdone. Two, it hit at the right time and the monster aligned with cultural anxieties and social issues in an interesting way. Can't can't wait. And three, it blended comedy and horror in a way that set the path for the genre. It sure did. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah. I had an inkling. Point one is pretty easy. It's like a paragraph. So... Right now, werewolves aren't a unique or transgressive creature to explore. There hadn't been a ton of werewolf movies from, like, the period in 1941 when the original Mm -hmm. Wolfman became a hit. So from, like, 1941 to 1981 when this came out, there weren't that many wolf movies. Right. But then the 80s had, like, seven. (laughs) The 80s, man. They fucking love wolves there. Yeah. But when this came out, it wasn't, like, this wrung-out genre or creature that felt overdone. Yeah. And I read an article that asked why there aren't as many werewolf-centric horror movies anymore, and they actually blamed Twilight. 
Uh, not dare like, they not like twilight single-handedly ruined the monster but the success of twilight spurred a wave of vampire and werewolf interest and different takes right. on those monsters okay and this with shows like teen wolf repositioned the werewolf in our imagination right so instead of seeing this like slow devolution of someone into wolfiness a story that must end in tragedy we see someone navigating change and teenhood in a way where they remain the protagonist on a long arc that doesn't have to end in their demise they also just made wolves Sexy as shit. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, I know what we need to do now. I know what you want. Everyone wants to bang those wolves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let me let Sue, I want to fuck that clown. Sue, <laughs> let me fuck that clown. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed by how much I want to have sex with a clown. <laughs> and I'm more embarrassed that I said it again on this. <laughs> it's like no one can know that I watched Geppetto. <laughs> For someone who's embarrassed about a lot of things, I sure do talk about all of the things that embarrass me, huh? <laughs> Oy vey. Going back to werewolves, we'll, yes, we'll let that simmer. Thanks. So in like today's werewolf stories, they're not like utterly losing themselves along the way. They struggle, but it's not like their humanity is burnt out. Right. So it's occupying more paranormal drama than horror. Mm-hmm. And this can really come down to opinion. It's not like someone says werewolves are done and it's Twilight's fault. And that's, like, suddenly true. It's just one perspective on why we're not really seeing successful werewolf movies right now. Point two goes back to some stuff from last week's Nerd Corner. Ooh. Quick thing, though. So I told you how excited I was to get that book. Yeah. It came in, and I'm less excited now that I have it. Why? Uh, So it was published in 96, and I was scrolling. Scrolling? Oh, no. Sometimes you scroll on a book. (laughs) Woof. With your eyes. Oh, boy. So I was flipping through the table of contents, and I was looking at the titles of the essays, and it turns out it's edited by Cohen, and he wrote the introduction, but, like, it's a collection of essays from other folks. Yeah. Awesome. Really problematic shit. (gasps) No! Who would have guessed that they would use outdated terms in the 90s when it was still common parlance? I guess that, yeah, unfortunately checks out. Yeah. And so that kind of, like, segues into something that, like, I have opinions on later, because it's me. I have have opinions. opinions. But I really hate when someone, I don't hate when people say this, but I hate the idea of something like aging poorly because first of all, there's like this weird like dialogue around age being bad and like ageism and stuff. But also it's not that it is now unacceptable, but now we recognize that it's unacceptable. So it's like racism was always very bad to do, but it wasn't culturally punished in the same way that it's starting to be in some ways right some really minor ways (laughs) and like i feel like a lot of people say things age poorly and i don't think anyone when they say it means it like Mm -hmm. like that you know what i mean oh for sure yeah i've definitely said it and i'm like yeah i understand why it's like not right but like yeah it's always been wrong it's just unfortunately and it's like i don't no one really i don't assume assume i don't assume negative intent when anyone says something ages poorly i just like i want to make sure that i don't say it in a way that makes it sound like well transphobia used to be okay but now it's not exactly it's never been okay it's just unfortunately it was like no one called people out back then it was kind of like yep it's okay yeah so I have I like started writing a part of it and I was like oh this is no longer nerd corner this has become soapbox and I was like move that to the qualms section (laughs) we'll put it in the qualms we'll put on the qualms so anyway going back to the connection in point two to last week's nerd corner werewolves can represent a range of anxieties and fears as mentioned we tend to associate werewolves with uncontrolled or uncontrollable primal Mm -hmm. urges dark human impulses really just an externalizing of internal conflict 
And if we want to look at the 80s in particular, it was a strange time. Strange time. I'm assuming, or not assuming, I'm, I've read, I was not alive in the 80s. Yeah, I, listen, <laughs> so I don't I've, I've read it was weird. Yeah. So there were these dual and sometimes dueling social movements playing out at the same time. Mm-hmm. So politically, there was Ronald Reagan working to impose conservative family values onto society. Mm-hmm. He was like soups focused on the nuclear family and free market ideas right. in a big way. But playing out in another realm, pop culture, we had, like, this sexual awakening happening. So on the music side, there was, like, Prince and Madonna. In film, there were teen comedies that were being honest about puberty and sexuality, or as honest as they were at the time. Right. For, you know, like, the more range of sexual, than, more honest than, than before. Than yeah, like. Yeah. Horror movies got in on the fun, too, obviously. Mm-hmm. So we have this cultural moment where there's tension. Politicians are striving to impose conservatism while pop culture is showcasing this breakdown of taboos around sex. So this is the perfect time for werewolves. Hell yeah. And as we talked about, werewolves can be read as this like warring tension between nature, primal humanity, and society, law and order in the nuclear family, and between desire and social acceptability. So werewolves basically showcase that struggle. And not all werewolf movies of the 80s, of which there were many, <laughs> focused on so many. like tension between conservatism and sexuality. Right. There was a focus on class conflict and cultural identity in... 81's Wolfen. Mm -hmm. In 84, there is a semi-feminist exploration of folklore in The Company of Wolves. I haven't watched it yet. Interesting. I haven't either. I can't say it's actually a feminist take or if it just has a female protagonist. I'm intrigued. I mean, in the 80s, they were like, there's a lady in it. Like, (laughs) that means that's feminist, right? You like that, yeah? They love this. (laughs) (laughs) Put a woman in it. They love this shit. (laughs) I just love women in movies. That's all it takes. <laughs> yep. Easy, please. And then in 85, Silver Bullet brought like religion into the mix. Yeah. So there were a range of anxieties and tensions that werewolves can represent. But suffice it to say, like the 80s had a lot to kind of nudge and yep. figure out and express. So now we get to point three. It opened the door for other horror films to blend in comedy. And as I was researching this part, I kept, gonna, I kept coming across something that I felt like I knew but couldn't actually verbalize. And this was gothic horror. Like just oh. yeah. So articles talked about how Landis expertly combined gothic horror and comedy, and I had this moment where I was like, "Yeah, I know that word." So I was like, "Okay, Kate, what is gothic horror then?" And I could not answer with any level of confidence. You got to ask yourself the tough questions. Mm-hmm, the tough questions. <laughs> so I did research, and I found an article on the New York Public Library site by Amanda Pagan, which I feel is apt. And here's a direct quote. So the battle between humanity and unnatural forces of evil, sometimes man-made, sometimes supernatural, within an oppressive, inescapable, and bleak landscape is considered to be the true trademark of a gothic horror novel. These are the core elements that separate gothic horror from its cousin, gothic romance. Pagan adds that the ending is almost always never happy in gothic horror, (laughs) and gothic horror does not showcase someone triumphing over evil and escaping unscathed. And it's actually called gothic horror because it was named after gothic castles. And, like, oh. the ruins that it generally, like, featured in the landscape. So Love that was that. the traditional setting, this, yeah. like, bleak, hopeless, inescapable thing. But gothic horror has obviously grown past that, and it isn't tethered to one type of crumbling castle. Right. So in another direct quote from the article, because Pagan just said it so well. Love it. Many modern gothic novels have moved away from this traditional setting towards more contemporary locations, such as the haunted house featured in Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of the Hill... Oops. Shirley haunting Jackson's of The, the Haunting of Hill House. I can say words. <laughs> <laughs> or the Bramford apartment building in Ira Levin's Rosemary's Baby. Still haven't seen it. Oh, it's so good. Okay, I'm so we'll talk about later. Oh, no, I'm excited. Uh, as long as the environment invokes a disturbing sense of unease and or terror within mm-hmm. the reader, then anywhere is fair game in a gothic horror novel. 
end quote. I love that. Yeah, so if we want to take a brief tour of Gothic horror to see the origin and where is it today, the first recognized Gothic horror novel was Horace Walpole's The Castle of Otranto oh. in 1764. Oh my god, okay. <laughs> yeah. Then we have more recognizable books and stories like Frankenstein mm-hmm. by Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley. I was going to Google how to say that and then I didn't. It's like one of those nerd problems where I always like I see something a lot and I say to my head, I'm like, yes, Wollstonecraft. And I was like, that's probably wrong. <laughs> so I'm saying Wollstonecraft. Wollstonecraft. And I'm very open to being told I'm wrong on this. <laughs> you heard that. Come on, folks. Come on. <laughs> Bring <Yes>. it on. <laughs> Don't ever correct me, though. That's how it works. <laughs> so the Frankenstein was 1818 and then Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher in 1839 and then in the Victorian era, we had Wilkie Collins, The Woman in White, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and Robert Lewis, nope, Robert Lewis Stevenson's, I keep saying Steverson's, that's not his name. Steverson. That's not his name. So Robert, Le- <laughs> nope. <laughs> it is a hell of a ride right now. <laughs> Robert Lewis Stevenson's The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> A rough ride. <laughs> Listen, it's been a really bad day. It's true. Kate and I both have had a rough day, so <laughs> I haven't cried three times. It's fine. I'm good. No, I'm, I'm feeling fine. great now. Robert Louis Stevenson. See, a folks, you cup heard of it. Coffee and a copper coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> I was in theater. <laughs> oh my god, so was I, and I'm like, nah, I can't talk. <laughs> Every now and then I just start like singing the proper cup of coffee in a copper coffee cup. And I just like do it and like speed up as I go. We had, oh God, what was ours? Ours was something about bubble gum. Oh, we also remember that. that? I don't, I don't remember it, but I used to do it a lot. Do you like the, no, (laughs) where you do like, we would like (laughs) practice a bunch of different like sounds in conjunction with each other. What the fuck's happening? I feel like I'm having a stroke. <laughs> so this was theater in my hometown. Yeah, we exercises. In apparently, warm-ups. we just had the bubble gum, and they were like, "That's sufficient, kids." Because I don't remember. Listen, I'm saying that. I bet if you ask anyone else from my school, they'd be like, "No, Nikki, we had so many," and I'd be like, "Ooh." <laughs> Maybe it's because my hometown took theater very oh, seriously. Oh, that's the problem, Kate. So did ours. <laughs> I think that this is a me thing. I think that I didn't pay attention. Because, like, ours was so intense, and I don't fucking remember a thing. I <laughs> I think I blocked it out of my memory. You just memory. blocked it out because it was so traumatic was pretty, that you don't remember it. It was pretty rough. So, yeah, I think yeah. my brain was like, you can have this bubblegum memory, and we're taking the rest. <laughs> have some bubblegum, honey. <laughs> they were like, shh, 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 it's okay. <laughs> That's fine. That's for the best. What we're saying is Kate really knows how to speak. <laughs> no, she doesn't. <laughs> She knows how to in theory, but in practice, it always falls short. It's just hard. (laughs) It's really hard, okay? I just have a lot of thoughts, and they all want to come out at the same time. Believe me, I get it. Anyway, if we jump to the 1960s, (laughs) 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 we can see modern takes on gothic horror, like the novella We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. And she also wrote The Lottery, which is a really well-known short story. Um, And so I actually read We Have Always Lived in the Castle because... I enjoy Shirley Jackson. Kate, there's a movie now. Have you seen <gasps> it? No. Okay, well. But I really want to be Mary Cat because the name. And I'm, I'm Kate. Yeah. Okay, you know? well, okay. we'll put that on the list. I okay, put that on the list. list. <gasps> I don't know if you saw it, but Fuck yeah. it's oh. very good. Okay, I'm going to update the spreadsheet. It's very good. Okay. I'm excited that you I'm like it excited. so much. Oh, I, I love it. Because <laughs> it's a very good movie. Yeah, yeah. There's also the graphic novel The Lolo Woods by Carmen Maria Machado and Danny. It's D A N I. 
And Carmen Maria Machado is incredible. Like, I highly recommend literally any work by her. She mm-hmm. does, like, this really wild, like, transgressive merging of genres really well. I love that. Yeah. So I highly recommend basically anything by her. Hell yeah. One could also read Mexican Gothic by Sil- mm. Silvia Moreno-Garcia. And if we want to talk modern gothic horror movies, we obviously have this one. But we could also add The Conjuring and the others. Lady in Black. Yeah. It's got to be on the list, no, right? that's for sure on the list. Nailed it, everybody. I just hadn't seen that one. Pack so I it up. A... I did it. Nikki knows everything. And then if we go mm-hmm. back to Pagan's definition of gothic horror, they both showcase the battle between humanity and unnatural forces mm-hmm. within an oppressive, inescapable, and bleak landscape. Some yeah. add Crimson Peak to the list, but I think that Crimson Peak is actually gothic romance. Yeah. 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 So after that detour into gothic horror, we can get back to our werewolf movie. It's time. But since I went down that rabbit hole, everyone got to come with me. Love. It was a beautiful trip. Thank you. So I got Land- a souvenir. I got a souvenir. Do you know what I got? This is where my improv skills... This is where my improv skills should have come in handy. <laughs> and immediately I asked you the question and I went, you have nothing prepared, Solomon. <laughs> I just Solomon. saw panic on your face. <laughs> I was literally the only thing I could think was a little rock. <laughs> I brought you this rock. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yes, Kate, I got I got some bubblegum. <laughs> so Landis rooted the movie on the foundation of Gothic horror. David battles a curse he cannot break in a landscape that is foreign to him and he is clearly unwelcome in. From the beginning, when David and Jack go into that bar, you mm-hmm. mentioned it, they're marked as outsiders and they are not welcomed warmly. They don't know the customs, they have questions about the occult that pisses off the local patrons, and they're American. Oof. And there's also the fact that he's othered by being Jewish. It's never actually confirmed outright via, like, dialogue. Right. One of the nurses says, this is very inappropriate. (gasps) Yes, this is horrible. And I fucking hate this moment. But one of the nurses is like, oh, he's Jewish. And she's like, how do you know? And she's like, well, I got a peek. And I was like, well, you did not have his consent. That's very inappropriate. And that's a violation of his privacy and bodily autonomy. So don't like that. I don't think it's a funny joke. But there's also a menorah on the mantle in one of his nightmares. And in that same scene, the creature that the creatures that kill his whole family in front Mm -hmm. of him are wearing Nazi uniforms. Mm -hmm. So that adds not only another layer of otherness, but also generational trauma. There's a really cool article about like invisible otherness being part of the werewolf canon, Mm -hmm. specifically speaking to the silencing of Jewish folks speaking about their trauma. Mm -hmm. And I'll link to that article in the notes. Awesome. So we see that trend of being marked as different and operating in an unforgiving, unyielding land continues throughout the movie for David that firmly roots it in the gothic horror tradition. But Landis also injects humor throughout. There's the repeated juxtaposition of absurd or childish and grotesque. When Jack is decomposing gruesomely, Mm -hmm. he sits in a chair, legs crossed, hands folded, next to a Mickey Mouse figurine. (laughs) When David is confronted by the limbo spirits of the six people he murdered last night, there's porn audio in the background because he's at a porno theater. He sure is. I can't wait to talk about all this. We also have the oddly cheerful moon-centric songs playing at horrific moments. Oh, those were so good. And then after he butchers six people, he wakes up naked in a zoo and steals balloons from a child to cover himself. Don't even. This is my favorite line. (laughs) We'll talk about it later. So this marriage of the absurd, childish, lighthearted with traditional horror elements isn't necessarily new or entirely unique. After all, as we know, the ghost of Mr. Chicken is from 66 and was comedy horror. And there's also decades of comedy horror in cinema before this. (laughs) You'll laugh laugh yourself silly. (laughs) Shut up. I can't. (laughs) We can't talk about the ghost of Mr. Chicken again. I'll absolutely break down. 
So, like, the marriage of Hyoma and Haru was just done really well, and I was trying mm-hmm. to find what exactly made it unlike previous horror comedies, mm-hmm. but what people were mostly saying was that he wasn't just pulling aspects of both, he was fully committing to both at the same time. Yeah. There was no half-assing of the nope. comedy or the horror, and in many opinions, uh, the use of comedy makes the gory moments scarier, and the horror makes the comedic moments funnier. Yeah. It's important to say that the, cur- the critical reception of the movie was mixed. Roger Ebert, as we know, I love him. Yeah. Roger Ebert did not think it was quite done cooking, and he said it was weird. Oh, and Janet Maslin said Landis's immature tone made the movie a failure. Regardless of those critiques, it has become a cultural touchstone. Yeah. And many say it opened the door for more horror comedies, such as mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead, Scream, Cabin in the Woods, and a ton more. Yeah. But I think that's enough for one nerd corner. <laughs> you ended it so beautifully. Thank you. Wow, look at <laughs> I you. Like, I hope this isn't a cop-out. <laughs> Drinks beer. <laughs> She did take a Zimmer beer. It's not even fake. <laughs> I commit. Oh, God. It's the bit. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I'm still processing all of it. Mm-hmm. Because fair. you said so many things that I was like, I thought about, and I still didn't know what you were going to talk about. It's like I pick up on all of the things, yeah. but I don't. I'm like, I don't know. It's probably something I don't know. I noticed three moments in this film. It's like, the camera work is cool. Don't know what it means. And it's like, Nikki will, though. So... Now you're putting me on blast. Because here's the thing. I I did and I didn't. Okay. And there's reasons. I took like genuine notes <gasps> no, that I'm going to like talk about. Because now we're talking about horror, everybody, by the way. We've oh, yeah. moved on. We're done with society. Horror I'm going to move now. my chair. I hope it doesn't make a lot of noise. Great. Stop. That was, that was Kate. <laughs> no, that was a very realistic Kree. chair sound. <laughs> Imagine if all chairs made a genuine creak. Our friends' fart chairs. Oh my God. Our friends who listen to this, um, we're not going to put you on blast. No. I won't say your names, but they got fart chairs. They got fart chairs. Um, and every time you move in them, it sounds like a it's, fart. And it's so listen, it's fine. I love them with all my heart, uh-huh. the chairs and the people who yes. own them. Yes. <laughs> uh, so if you're listening, I love you and I love your fart chairs. Uh-huh um so here yeah so okay (laughs) i have so many things to say that i don't know where to start (laughs) um but i'm gonna do my best okay i it's just there's so fucking much the camera work i didn't notice a lot okay but that's only because this movie this movie goes from zero to 60 yeah it does and i don't mean the whole time i mean in every scene it is zero to 60 in every moment. Mm-hmm. There's no break, which is like cool. And like you said, the scary mo- moments make the, you know, comedy funnier and vice versa and all that. And it's true. And it, and it also, they work together to do both at the same time. Uh, and the moment I'm thinking of was one of my favorite moments in the movie. Is when <laughs> David, um, there's this montage of David in the nurse's um, apartment and it's, they did this so well because as soon as I saw it, I was like, I was getting panicky because I do this. Um, I do that. Um, but when you, when you like convince yourself that you're sick or you know that you're sick or you know something is wrong, a lot of people, myself, will push themselves to do things to convince themselves they're not. I don't know if you do this, but if I have like, the flu or if i'm getting a cold i will purposefully do things to be like if i had a cold could i do this run 5k literally and i do shit like that where i'm like could a person with a cold clean their entire apartment and then of course i'm dying the Mm -hmm. whole time and i'm like i'm dying well and like that's disgusting so well i feel fine and then i (laughs) throw up 
Um, but they capture that really well when David is in this apartment and he's like, I'm dancing. I'm going to read. Look at this stuff. I'm not even hungry. And he looks in the fridge multiple times. He's like, I'm still not hungry. And he's basically just trying to distract himself from the fact that like he's turning into a werewolf and he knows it because his friend has told him and he keeps looking in the mirror and going and like growling to be like, if I was a werewolf, would I, my growl be so fake? He doesn't say that, but like that is what Mm -hmm. he's doing. I love that montage because it's great because it has this like fun 1980s like, ooh, woohoo, there's cute music. It's kind of like a makeup montage, it, yes. but like just unraveling. It feels like a makeover montage, but the makeover is him just slowly losing it. Mm-hmm. Like he is not okay, but he's convincing you he is. And the best moment of the whole thing, which is <laughs> incredible, is he finally slows down and he's like, they, they cut um, to another scene for a little bit and then they cut back and you see David reading a book and he's like, you, you think, ah, okay, he's done it. He, he's calmed down. He's okay. And literally within like not even a minute of you seeing him reading a book, he just goes, ah, and screams and starts freaking out. Sweating profusely. Sweating profusely. He's, he's literally, that moment is so silent and then he just screams. So one, it's funny because you're like, huh, what's happening? And then all of a sudden it's very much not funny so they've done such a good job of mm-hmm. just making you laugh, but then immediately not. Ugh, yeah. It was so good. But he's basically transforming into a werewolf in that moment. And that's where that famous scene comes from with his mouth elongating, which, as I talked about in the beginning, unless you skipped it, um, <laughs> which why wouldn't you? Uh, which, you know, is the electronic thing in his face that, and I've also seen the hand, uh, his hand, Ooh, yeah. when his fingers the are elongating like- elongating of the palm. Mm-hmm seen that as well very cool it's all super super cool it definitely deserved i would say the award it won because even though the wolf itself at the end is a little bit iffy the transformation was like unheard of at that point sort of months to prepare for it it took like five minutes to shoot it and he's like that's it (laughs) pretty much and same with the building of it like it took so long to build and then they were like okay we did it but it was worth it Mm -hmm. and um so that's my favorite scene and it this that's why it was so hard to notice the camera work is because that moment where he freaks out and screams so many scenes are like that you'll just watch it and you'll be like okay and then all of a sudden someone just loses it or screams or yells or something happens and then you're like okay we're we're doing something different now yeah and it was so hard keeps you on your fucking toes disorients you never lets you sit still and like think about it and like (sighs) sit with it which is interesting it made it kept your heart racing because you didn't know when you could stop Mm -hmm. um and the camera work does do that as well which is really cool uh when david is like a wolf or when the wolf is chasing them um there's a lot of like shaky camera work Mm -hmm. but subtle it's like low to the ground you get a lot of perspective shots Hmm. which i feel like they don't do a ton in they probably do now but back then doing it in um like a horror movie uh werewolf movie or anything like that having it from the perspective of the wolf instead of the perspective of the person being attacked was really cool Uh, some movies this was a very big 70s thing i think Mm. which you could immediately tell or at least i mean i i I could tell but (laughs) i could tell Because it was made in 1981, which means that, like, it had barely scratched the surface of 1980s slasher movies, but it had just left the 1970s style of movies like Suspiria Mm -hmm. and The the Possession and stuff like that. Um, It had a lot of 1970s uh, colors and uh, camera work, 
is what I'm saying. So they blended the two things. You could see it slowly inching its way into the 80s while still like holding on to the 70s a little bit. Mm -hmm. It just had that filmmaking look to it. But also, um, even though I didn't notice the camera work, the one thing I did notice was that the whole movie is bright green and bright red. Did you did you notice that it's like the whole time? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to notice colors. And it lasted five minutes because it's like one of them's wearing green and one of them's wearing orange. Got it. And then the yeah. rest of the movie, I might as well have been in black and white. <laughs> This movie was us, Kate. Yeah. Bright green, bright red. Um, yep. Yeah, so it starts off, I mean, you're getting a shot of the moors or like the scenery that they're in, which is just green landscape. Mm-hmm. And you also have Jack who is wearing, they're wearing like almost identical kind of outfits. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack is in green, like uh, like an army green puffer jacket. Mm-hmm. And then David is in a bright red or orangey kind of coat. Um <clears throat> and that continues throughout the whole movie. Uh, not necessarily the green as much as the red, yeah. but the green is still there. Um, okay. It's very prominent. Like it had a very uh, saturated green look to a lot of scenes. And if you look, there is always a red object in most scenes. In almost every single scene, there is an object that is bright red. Um, whether it's <laughs> well like the coat that he grabs from the zoo bright yeah. red coat yes um the balloons there was a bright red yeah. balloon um in the hospital there is like bright red uh art and stuff like that it's there's oh, always cool. something small there's another part where he is showing i believe like the cityscape um or something when they're showing him possibly leaving to go like kill someone mm-hmm. you're getting neon green lights and then there's a bright red uh like phone booth uh oh. in the shot so I took it to mean, and I always look too deep into it, but I don't care. I'm going to say it. I took it to be, because green and reds are like opposite on mm-hmm. the color wheel, yeah. which means that like they're going to stand out. So green is usually tied to like life and nature and healing and good things. And red is usually like blood, bad, scary. Stop. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I took it to be something that is out of place. Ooh. Which is what David is. Yeah. Like, he's in London. He already doesn't belong there. He's an American. And then, two, he's now a werewolf in a city, which is like an unheard of place for something like that. So I took it to be like the red was supposed to be like this. There's something always out of place in each scene because David is always out of place. It's very scary. Hence why they would keep things green, because if you use green, you're going to make the red stand out even more. Yeah. That's what I took from it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So, and like, I, I don't know if that is even a little bit true, but if you do look at it, if you like go back and watch it, there's red in almost every single scene. And I made sure I picked up on that because I was like, his coat is red. That's going to come back. It has to. And it did. And I felt so smart. Hell yeah. Um, also same. I said makeup was great. Subtle, cool changes. Um, his friend Jack. I love that he is doesn't care at all like i mean he is getting so fucking gross and he's just like hey david like that was a director's note like i was reading like interviews and stuff Mm -hmm. and apparently they told the guy that played jack like i think his name was griffin dunn something Uh, oh yeah and so they told him like you can never sound like you're having anything but a good time you have to always sound like you're cheerful and you're having a great time even though what you're saying is fucking horrific he nailed it, he I think. Um, and they were both like new actors. Really? Mm-hmm. Good for them. I thought uh, they both did 
great job david the guy that played david yeah was in dr pepper commercials or like at least one <laughs> and for david and then i only read this one place but this article said that dr pepper dropped him because he appeared nude in this movie and they're like no 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah he saw his butt <laughs> and you do see more than that do you oh for sure you see it the dick <laughs> <laughs> Pause, pause. The dick. Listen. <laughs> yeah, you do. I don't remember the dick, but I 100% believe it. I was too busy looking at the colors. I was like, oh my God, it's red. And meanwhile. I like took it back and I was like, did they really? Yeah, they did. Wow. Okay. I cannot believe that I missed it. Um, not that I like oh, was looking for it. I'm just saying I, you know, I didn't, I didn't clock the teeth and I never clocked the dick. Um, <laughs> put that on a t-shirt. Um, I never clock the dick. <laughs> But yeah, that was it. His makeup was great because he subtly gets worse and worse. Mm -hmm. um, and his attitude doesn't match it. And that's great. The juxtaposition, blah, blah. But they also did a really great job. And I feel like this woman probably like, she's barely in it, but she was one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. The green eyeshadow? Maybe. The nurse? No. Oh, okay. Also great. Yeah. But no, it was the woman in the theater. She's been killed. Yeah. She is, she's covered in blood. She's a fresh kill, so she doesn't look as nasty yeah. as his friend. But she's got blood all over her teeth, and mm -hmm. she keeps smiling. Yep. Everything she says is so fun. She's like, you could do this. And it's, you could shoot yourself. You could shoot yourself. And it's so scary, the mm -hmm. way it comes out of her mouth. And also, when you see her, she's got blood all over her teeth, and mm -hmm. she's just like, yeah. Yeah, they're she, oddly cheerful. She cracked me up the whole time, because I was like, I'm unsettled, but she's so funny. She was killing me and this is all happening in the porn theater which was hysterical you hear moans in the background the whole time and it's just it's david's murdering people all of the corpses are there and it's just and then oh there's God. this porno on the screen and oh like there's a phone call and she's like no i don't know who you're calling that's not me no, and this oh my god i laughed so hard this guy walks in he's like i told you never to do that again or like you promised me and the guy's like I promised you nothing. And he's like, well, no, you. And the woman's like, I've never met. And he's like, oh, sorry. And then he leaves. You leave. <laughs> I laugh so hard. He goes, she goes, I don't know who you are. And he goes, oh, sorry. And yep. he just walks away. And she's like, whatever. And yep. then they get back to doing it. And then she answers the phone later. And, and she's she... like, nope, wrong room. <laughs> it was great. They had a lot of those little moments that were really funny. Yeah. And then this uh, another moment in the theater that was so funny but so scary is David is changing into a wolf, but he's in a porn theater. So if you hear that uh -huh. kind of grunting, you assume like, oh, gross, we have to take care of this. Mm -hmm. So the usher or a police, I can't remember which, uh, comes to be like, sir, stop. And David just keeps going, go away. <laughs> You're <laughs> in danger. <laughs> and he's just... But he's in a porn theater, so this man is like, ew, in danger of what? Like, gross. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then he turns into a wolf and eats him. Yeah. But it was just great because, like, this poor guy is like, ew, what are you doing that you're this weird? Like, <laughs> yep. it, was, it was very funny is what I'm saying. <sighs> so that was about the makeup. Um, things either happen slow or super fast, which I talked about. Mm -hmm. There's no in between. I mean, you're either getting like a really nice, beautiful, silent moment or just screaming. Um, <clears throat> my favorite, my favorite line of the whole movie, which we talked about a little, is when he steals the balloons. And there's a whole conversation that's already very funny because he's like, come here, kid. Like, I need your balloons because he's naked and he wants to cover up. Um, but then the kid walks back to his mom and just goes, a naked American man stole my balloon. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> just deadpan. Yeah, apologies for my bad accent, but that's he's just this little tiny British boy, and, and the mom just goes, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, so, yeah, the movie was very scary. The horror was done really well but so was the comedy for the most part i have qualms don't even don't even worry y'all um but yeah it was very funny there was some fucking great moments (laughs) um but that's it i think that's really all i noticed i mean that's it they they i think i got it they did a good job showing someone try to convince themselves they're fine which is the whole movie yeah and then the colors and like i said the camera work i just didn't have time (laughs) it was too fast so I said I probably clocked like three different camera angles. I don't remember three. I remember one. So maybe I only saw one. And I was Just like, one. it was definitely three. Love that. It's when he's in the phone booth and mm-hmm. he's calling his family. And it's supposed to be this very like heartfelt scene where he's like calling to tell me right. them. But he's like, shit, had a little sister picks up the phone. He's yep. like, no, asshole, I love you. <laughs> I but love that scene. The whole time, like as it gets further and further into phone call, the camera is like, down below his head slightly mm-hmm. and it's turning around the outside of the mm-hmm. phone booth. And so to me, I was like, I don't know what the fuck camera angles mean, but I do know that he's in an enclosed space and he feels trapped by what's happening to him. Right. I was like, that's all I can gather from was, this. <laughs> that was a great, I love that one. For some reason, the one that always stands out is still the man in the subway. Mm. Um, that That's my favorite yeah. That has my favorite shot in the whole movie is just the guy running through the really colorful yellow like subway. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you notice, a lot of the signs are bright red. Um, so he's running through the subway and David's chasing him. But you rarely see David. You mostly see the man running. Um, and it's just this crazy mix of like these or this wild mix of these colors that are super, super bright. And then this poor man just running for his life. And you're like, oh, no. Um, And then my favorite shot is when he's on the stairs. And you're seeing it from, like, the wolf's perspective of slowly inching closer up the stairs towards him. And all you see the last thing is, like, his terrified face. And that's it. (sighs) Such a good shot. This overhead shot Mm -hmm. from behind the guy. And I think it's, like, I don't know if it was an escalator or stairs. But, like, you see it behind him. Mm -hmm. And you see over his head and he's just looking into the distance terrified and then you see the corner of the wolf come into the yep. screen. Yep, And then... Oh, so yeah, good. I that was a great... One. I noticed two camera angles. Two camera angles. Two camera angles. Two camera angles. Um, this one, that, that that was something that reminded me of like the the 1970s because Ooh. they do a lot of that with the like super bright colors because mm. like, you know, the Technicolor, you get the... That was big. And so that's what it reminded me of is like it still had those little 1970 touches of being super bright and dramatic it reminded me of suspiria a lot because suspiria is so bright the colors are wild and the shots are very dramatic still and haven't seen it very good i i really like it it's heavy which is why i'm like Ooh, you gotta be ready for this not that it's like heavy and uh, the the content mm-hmm. it's heavy just to watch in general because yeah. there's so much to take in Kind of like this one. Like it's sensory like, overload? Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of colors. Camera angles are wild. Uh, you get a lot of close-ups. You get a lot of it. Like it's beautiful, mm-hmm. but it's just so much to take in yeah. and to follow the plot. So you have mm. to be like, ready. <laughs> yeah. Remember when I hadn't seen either of them and we were about to start the podcast? I was like, oh. what if we started with Suspiria? And you were like, no. <laughs> yeah. We almost started this podcast with both Suspiria <laughs> movies. And I was like, mm. one is old and buck wild. The other is new and just as buck wild. Mm-hmm. I was like. Mm-mm. You're like, I think that might be a lot to start with. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I'm so excited to do them, though, because they're amazing. They are just like a lot. Uh, but they're 
so good. But that's what it reminded me of. The super big colors. It was great. Um, I think that was it. I mean, that's that's really what I had for horror is that it was just a good blend of being really funny and really scary, honestly. Yeah. So I think most of my like horror moments are in the tropes mm-hmm. because I put some of my energy there. I do have my quick qualms section. Oh boy. I can't wait because I have mine too. So as I mentioned previously, Nerd Corner started straight into soapbox territory. So I moved it to the qualms section. Oh, so qualms. one of the articles I read on Den of Geek from two years ago says mm-hmm. this movie, quote, remains the most modern take on grisly gothic horror and one of the best werewolf movies ever, and that it has barely aged. Mm. And we already talked earlier about how I disagree with the like age right. sentiment, but I disagree with most of his assertion. <laughs> right. So I think it combined humor and horror really well. Really like, well. I thought it was really good and I appreciate that. Everyone is welcome to their opinion. And clearly this was an opinion piece and not right. it is objective fact, blah, blah, blah. But I think that perspective is really important to consider when we're trying to say this is the best movie ever. Because it's yeah. different to say this is the best movie or this is, this is a movie that I identified with strongly and I really liked. Right. But if you say something's the best movie ever, for who? Who's represented in it? Who's it by? Who's it for? Exactly. And so like if you look at this movie, there were like two characters of color and they technically were named. I don't remember their names because they were such like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They were such shallow characters. Right. They, they weren't, weren't developed. Given depth. Like there is the child that just yells no. Right. And he's used for comedic effect. Right. And then there's the quote orderly who she like tries to get information from. He's like, dude, I just push a cart. I'm an orderly. Right. And that's it. That's it. And then he delivers breakfast. And so like the only two characters of color that are shown are not given any depth and no. are used for comedy. They're literally used for comedy and yep. they're used to move someone else's plot yes. along. So, like, they're only useful insofar as they help other white people be right. their characters. So, it's like, I think you have to consider perspective when you make assertions like that. And, like, for us, Ginger Snaps right. is hugely relatable. We're both white women. Right. It was made by white women. So, it's like... It's that might be great for, for me. Us, but it, I'm never going to say it's, like, the quintessential teenage movie. No. Because that's not because true. not every teenager is a white girl. No. Like, <laughs> And it, reviewers are primarily male and almost entirely white. <laughs> So I just think it's, like, really dismissive to say, like, mm-hmm. this is the best horror imagining, whatever. Right. And as much as I enjoyed An American Werewolf in London, we have our qualms. Totally. It was problematic, as most things are. Yes. Uh, I already talked about the characters of color, and then there were basically two women, and neither of them were given the same agency or exploration or depth of the male characters. Right. Like, uh, Alex Price, the nurse, mm-hmm. was given more depth than the other like, right. female-identified characters. But she still was just basically stoic and sexy. And that was pretty much it. it. She was there to be attractive. And she was there to basically give David a reason to not want to. Like, I mean, I know he had his family and all that. But like, she was the thing in London that Mm -hmm. he didn't want to leave. You know, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was it. (laughs) And then there was the moment, like when I was writing through, writing through, reading through to write the um, content warnings, Mm -hmm. I was like... It goes through like, oh, is there hate speech? And then people leave comments. And they were like, yeah, he yells the F word, like the homophobic slur. Right. Uh, to try to piss off a Bobby. And I was like, oh, yeah. What a time. He's using it just to get a rise out of someone to try to insult. And he says like King Charles or Prince Charles or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. And then there's that moment where all he is wearing, no shoes, he's just wearing the coat, the women's coat. Right. And he just gets stared down by that guy in line. And the joke is, like, he's wearing a women's coat. Like, he's a man. Oh, what's weird. Right. And it's just so 
transphobic. It's like, and it's played for laughs. Like it's supposed to be this really funny moment because he's like, "Oh, aren't I zany?" And the guy's like, "You're wearing a women's coat," and he's just like, "Oh, I'm an American," and it's like, it's just (sighs) cringy as hell. (laughs) Yeah, and so I just there are so many jokes, and like we alluded to it but didn't actually talk about it but when jack and david are talking oh i hate this joke <laughs> they're talking about like it's an old family friend yeah like this woman a that girl they know, that, yeah. that they went to school with mm-hmm. and jack wants to sleep with her and maybe has already no but, like he, it's a continuing hookup he wants to he, he wants, wants to. to he said that like we've known each other for years like oh yeah like she keeps being nice to me literally says like she's so nice to me and i was like okay I'm like scrolling down and he was I wrote like, down what he said and I was like mm-hmm. yeah and he was like oh you know this is just a girl you want to fuck and he's like well I have to make love to her she has no choice has no choice as soon as fuck he said you. that I was like I'm happy he dies like yeah. I remembered that he died in this movie and I was like fucking good yeah and I was like that mm-hmm. yeah it was like a I get it it was a joke like Women are when they know what they're doing when they're being that nice to people, blah blah blah. And I was like, no, that's Rain fucking culture. bullshit. That's disgusting. And yeah, it just yeah. leads into horrible victim blaming. And so, <sighs> like, part of it was like, are these characters supposed to be so, entirely sympathetic? Right. Or is like it was from the eighties, and like this was after Animal House, and so they do have that like frat boy like edge to them. Right. But it's also not played up to an extreme level. So no. I don't think. This was a moment that's like, look how unlikable these people oh, are. No. I think it was supposed to be genuine dialogue, and I hated it. Because Animal House has similar I've jokes. Never I've seen never Animal seen House. it, but I can only guess that Animal House probably has similar mm-hmm. jokes, and it's written and directed by the same person. Yeah. So I can only assume that it was literally just like a carryover yeah. of like the Animal House humor that isn't okay. <laughs> like. No. Uh, and I, I don't think that it was at all to make these characters unlikable. Yeah. I think you're supposed to like these characters. Yeah. I think you're supposed to be sad when Jack dies. I think you are supposed to root for David to get better and figure it out. And they say things like that. And I'm like, he can die. I don't care. Yeah, like, not <laughs> fuck it, whatever. Yeah. And it doesn't, and it doesn't change the fact that like, this movie is good. Like, it's a good movie. It has great moments. They did the horror so well. But it does not make these parts okay. No, it doesn't. Oh, they were bad. Yeah, it uh, gave me a lot of rage in my yeah. heart. And that's like right in the beginning too, that joke. So it was very like, ugh, like <laughs> you, I had to let go of it and just keep watching the movie. And, and like, I'm glad I did because it is a good movie. Yeah. Like, I don't want people to be like, well, I'm not going to watch this movie. It's horrible. Because listen, if we did that for every movie, <laughs> we'd never watch a fucking movie we from- We wouldn't get to watch any movies. Ever, basically. That's- Everything has problematic elements. Right. It You can't. You have... You can't. Like... And it's not saying, like, well, they're all problematic, so this is okay. That's not what I'm saying. Not at but all. But, like... It's... Our know. friend... I we have what? a friend who talks about this all the time. I think that, like, you can accept that things are problematic and still enjoy them for what they are yeah. as long as you, yourself, can look at something and go, I know that's not okay. Yeah. And I absolutely do not agree with it. Yeah. That it's gonna happen because yeah. if not, you'll never watch a fucking movie. Like you'll never get to engage with any media at all. Like <laughs> that's just unfortunately, yeah. that's just it. That's yeah. how life is. And to me, like the necessary like addendum is like, and you're actively working to fight against exactly these things. right. <laughs> like you're not just like that's bad. All right, like that sucks. <laughs> Bye. Right. I was like, yeah. you know, yeah, gotta keep doing the work, yo. 
Same page. I don't know why I said yo, same help hat. me. <laughs> What's wrong with me? I almost said same hat to my coworker. Same hat. I ended up saying same brain because that makes more sense makes more to sense. someone. I say same hat to a lot of people and they're just like, okay, I'm not wearing a hat. And I'm like, yeah. you don't get it. If it was going to be over text. It was really not going to translate well. <laughs> uh, people are probably like, what is happening? <laughs> Kate and I just say the same thing a lot. And we yeah. always go, we have the same hat. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole thing. It's that meme with the two men. Same yeah. hat, same, same hat. hat. Same hat. <laughs> Riveting stuff. <laughs> so we don't say same hat a million more times unless yeah. you have more tropes or more tropes. Sorry. Unless you have more qualms. Uh, that was pretty much my qualms section because mm-hmm. I think I packed a lot in there. Right. Yeah. Because I was going to say, I think it's time for tropes, <gasps> which I know you were excited about. Okay. So, uh, I have some that are just, I, okay. I organized the section a few times and then I just put it back into alphabetical. Yeah. Because as I usually do, um, because I was like, well, I'm going to divide them into, these are comedy tropes. These are horror tropes. And then these are just ones that I want to like dive more into. Right. And then I was like, well, a lot of these like straddle the difference or like it doesn't make sense to divide them that way. So I'm just going to go in order with the ones I feel like right now. Oh, yeah. So the first one is ass an ambassador. So (laughs) it's a really small moment, but it's when the embassy dude Mm -hmm. comes into the hospital room and David's freaking out understandably because he's right. just been told his friend died oh yeah and he's horrified and he's just woken up from three weeks of sleep oh my God. and the embassy dude is like you need to calm down sir mr kessler please calm down and then he's like <laughs> they never fucking appreciate all that we do for them and i just like typed in i was like the utter uselessness of the embassy dude is this a commentary on bureaucracy <laughs> it is not it's just like a joke about it's how just a use- yeah man. <laughs> it's just a useless man <laughs> so that's the ass and ambassador then there's the good old bait and switch. So this is a uh, spoiler, but at the very end, like last five minutes of the movie. Yeah. You know this. You saw it. I saw it. Uh, Did I? So Alex like pushes her way through the crowd of people that are somehow trying to get closer to a dangerous animal. Right. Who knows? None of that made sense to me. Because like, anyway. Because I know rubber duck is like a thing. Like you want to see tragedy, but usually you want to see things that aren't actively dangerous. People right. People tend to run away from dangerous things on mass. You mess. would think. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I don't understand humans. Uh, but basically Alex like pushes her way through the cops and then she goes down to the end of the alley where David is cornered and he's a werewolf. And she was like, I believe in you. We can work this out. I love you. <sighs> and you see this moment where you think it's going to be the power of love breaks right. the curse. And then he fucking lunges for her <laughs> and the cops <laughs> shoot him and he dies. <laughs> and so a great it's moment. bait and switch. And then also factors into genre savvy versus wrong genre savvy mm-hmm. those are two different like tropes oh. that are similar so in genre savvy it's talking about like when they're in the bar at the beginning of the movie and they're talking about like well remember like lon chani and like blah, blah blah and he's like oh wait this one he's like no 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 the other one with like the silver like they're talking about right the famous wolf movies <laughs> werewolf movies <laughs> and like when he makes the comment about like well it's not a silver bullet and they're like you're dumb and i actually love that moment yeah. when he's just like well do i need a silver bullet and it's jack is just like don't be ridiculous yeah. like yep. <laughs> as if that hasn't happened in every werewolf movie yep yep <laughs> And that's so, great. Oh, it was great. And so that's like the genre savvy. And then hers is like wrong genre savvy mm-hmm. where it's like in any other movie, it would be the power of love. But no, this is a him. horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> I can change him. <laughs> so that's a good old bait and switch. 
god. Okay. So this one I had to like look into more because I thought that it was just going to be very boring. Yeah. It's called Behind the Black. Oh. And it's basically like the tendency for characters. Okay, so it's invisible to the people who are like in the movie or show or something mm-hmm. because it's invisible to the audience. Oh. So if they're on a street and realistically they would see a truck hurtling towards them, but because it's off screen for the audience, they don't the characters don't see it. <gasps> Interesting. Yeah. And so it's like it should be in clear view. Right. But it's not. And I just thought it was really interesting <laughs> because I'm sorry. I'm just like, I keep like going back to this. I'm like, okay, well, where does this land with like the fourth wall and realism versus this? And I just thought it was so fascinating to think about like, how do you limit what the audience is in on? Right. Because is the audience omniscient? Because sometimes like with dramatic yeah, irony, yeah. you know more than the characters. But right. in this case, like you are limiting the character's view because, like, the audience can't see it or, like... Right. You're limiting the character's views Mm -hmm. just so you can limit the audience's as well. Like, almost to, like, get the reaction out of the audience, but to get the similar reaction out of the characters in a way. Yeah. And so there's also, like, the really silly, like, iterations of this where, like, someone's hiding behind a tree that is not that wide. Right. (laughs) So it's, like... (laughs) They're, like, the really ridiculous things, but it's called Behind the Black. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was. I just said interesting cool. like five times because I'm, I'm like truly, wow. <laughs> it's like something that I just need to keep thinking about, you know? Yeah. I'm going to come back to it. I'll come back to it. In future episodes. Someday. Who Not knows? Today. And then we have the cat scare. Classic. In this case. So like the cat scare doesn't always have to be a cat. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it wasn't. It was like when they are kind of freaking out and they're like oh, hurrying yeah, up yeah. and he trips on something and he falls down and they're like oh no and there's like oh i just tripped ha ha and then the fucking werewolf attacks <laughs> yep that's the task here. oh that's a good one we have a creator cameo landis is in this movie oh he dies in a car crash scene <laughs> oh my okay i can't believe I- okay real quick i'm sorry i cannot believe that i forgot to talk about this moment um it was a lot. It was the most horrific scene in the movie to me, personally. Yes. It, I mean, it is. It yeah. absolutely was. Because it was senseless in a way that it was just chance and yeah. like momentary error causing something tragic, where it was like, he didn't fucking do anything. He did not kill them actively. Literally, the, the most death in this movie comes yeah. from other people getting scared, yeah. crashing their cars, and then people dying. And it is- yeah. It was horrific. Oh, boy. It was like hard to watch. I struggled with that. I almost had to like pause it and take a minute. Yeah, it was tough. Like, like someone getting thrown from the car and then run over. Like oh, that to me, like someone in my town died that way. Right. Like So it was like that. Mm. Yeah, it was a lot. Like and it's not even werewolf related. Mm-mm. And so and it's long, y'all. It's long. It keeps happening. It keeps happening. It's like that rule of three or where it's just like, is that it? Is that the one I'm trying to there's think of? There's like the rule of three and then there's like the rule of 40 or something. That's it. I yeah. think it's like when something is funny not funny, not funny. And then it happens so many times that it's funny again. But in this one, it was like, almost like the opposite where it was like, it's horrific. It's horrific. Okay. You've done it so many times. Okay. It's horrific again. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was it. You said that and it reminded me. I was like, Oh fuck. I was like, that scene was tough. Yeah. That's near the end. Yeah, It's in like the climax of the movie. Right. Like it. Yeah. Basically. And it's funny because, like, the climax of the movie, he, like, kills almost no one. Right. Like, he, he kills he, people up until that point. And right. then when shit starts really hitting the fan for it's mass amounts of people, it's not him. No. Which is, I mean, really good. Like, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. Really cool way to do it. 
it was just that scene was tough. Yeah. He does I mean, rip off someone's head, but he most does of the other things are unrelated. He rips off like one head, okay? Yeah, Everyone you calm rip off down. One head. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was like a rough moment. Okay, so wait, he's in that scene? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I don't remember okay. which person he is, but they said that like he's in the car crash scene. All right. And I think that he might be like a body that's thrown from a car, but I'm not entirely sure. I do know that there is a part where they show a face of someone. I bet it's that one. Yeah. Because there, there is like one guy who got like a close up. Yeah. I bet it's him. <laughs> and it's like the creator cameo happens in a lot of movies. So like many movies. Stephanie Meyer was in Twilight. Oh yeah, she was. Uh, Stephen King was in the recent It. He's in all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's in like everything. Yeah. And we also have a credits gag. So uh, it's like our lawyers advised this trope and I personally didn't catch it, but it was you know, like, this is a work of fiction. Any resemblance to people living or dead is purely like yeah. unintentional. So apparently this one said, this is a work of fiction. Any resemblance to actual persons living dead or undead is purely coincidental. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were going to tell me there was like a full scene. I was like, are you oh, kidding God, me? No. I did. I missed it. Okay. Okay. When I read this on tvtropes.com, I was like, I missed a scene. Mm-hmm. Marvel raised me better. <laughs> this one we don't have to spend time on because I know it's deeply upsetting to you. Creepy child. Oh, fucking. And they're not even wearing tank tops. They're not even wearing tank tops. And they were actually like um, the two girls that are like laughing at him mm-hmm. outside of Alex's flat. They're just like billed as creepy girls or Did you children. notice what they are wearing? Dreases? The exact same colors that they're wearing in the beginning of the movie. Oh. One of them is wearing red and one of them is wearing like a hunter green. Green and red. Green and red. Told you. They gotta bring it up. But yeah, they're wearing the exact same colors. That scene was interesting because I took it to be like, look at what we were. We were these happy kids. Blah, blah, blah. They're like resembling them and then they run away. Oh, I love that. And then you're like, "Ah, goodbye. Bye, youth. Bye, Pretty much. It's like, goodbye, everything that I used to have. That's what, so when you brought that up, I was like, ah, yes, I know these little, they actually didn't freak me out. So, you know, this one time, Mm. the little kids didn't creep me out. Wild. Maybe it's because they weren't It was because of the color. I was like, oh, I noticed that. And I kind of forgot to be afraid of them. You distracted yourself. It's like a self-soothing method. (laughs) 100%. My brain was like, get her out. Get her out. (laughs) (laughs) But yes. Yeah. And I absolutely wasn't scared of the sweet boy at the zoo because he was so funny. (laughs) A naked American American man stole stole my balloons. (laughs) (laughs) What? What? mom what she's so upset she's just like what the fuck oh apparently okay so the zoo scene went over in filming time and so like a lot of the people that are milling about actual people oh my god and so like the woman that he runs into when he is fully nude she was an extra she was there but they didn't tell her that he would be naked (laughs) and so she's just like (laughs) and just like she's like movie magic huh like (laughs) that would have been me i'd have been like Yeah, that's you're in a movie like yep. <laughs> that's hollywood baby <laughs> oh and in that scene those are real wolves that he is actually naked in a cage with oh, and he wow. did not know they would come over to him he was not <laughs> expecting that and it had to be done in one take <laughs> he was just like okay like, oh. <laughs> everything i'm learning about this movie is yeah it's wild, wild. <laughs> I don't even try to find these like fun facts. It's just I'm looking for like right, nerd so corner stuff. And, I, that's what's so funny is that, like I do facts in the beginning. And for this one, I was so confident. I was like, okay, I have found some good ones. And then you were like, hey, guess what? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what happened to me again? This is, it's great. They're good facts. Damn, that's so funny. I can't believe it. Okay, you know, okay, okay. It. What's the next trope? <laughs> the dead have eyes. 
So I, I mentioned this earlier when before recording, I said, mm-hmm. "Don't mind me. I'm just looking at a skeleton with eyeballs." <laughs> and I didn't even question it. Yeah. I was just like, "Okay, yeah, that's like normal Kate stuff." <laughs> so this is I didn't actually put in my qualm section because I feel like it's an artistic qualm, and right. I also don't feel entitled to have those. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like an artiste. I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> But Jack decomposes rapidly oh, from, 100%. like, the three-week mark to, like, the three-week and two-day mark. Because, right. like, when you see him in the hospital and it's been three weeks that David's been asleep, yeah, he looks pretty fresh. Oh, 100%. Like, he doesn't look decomposed at all. So here's a fun fact about that. I actually missed the part where they said he had been asleep for three weeks. Uh, so in my mind, I, I thought it had only been a day. So when I saw his friend, Jack, I was just like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. that's fine. Now knowing that he's supposed to be, like, three weeks old, I was like... Okay. It's like, were you like delayed getting to limbo because of paperwork? Like, it was just like, he was so fresh. <laughs> it's like Beetlejuice. They had so much paperwork to do. Have you yeah. never seen Beetlejuice? Um. <gasps> okay. Okay, whatever. I, I'm adding it to the list. I can't okay. wait. I'm going to have a really great Halloween double feature of the ghost of Mr. Chicken and Beetlejuice. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Here's the funny thing is for a second, I forgot that I'm a host on this show. And I literally almost said, oh, when we do Beetlejuice, I'll be a guest. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're always a guest. <laughs> you're always a guest in my heart, Nikki. <laughs> and, and this show. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Importantly, recording right now. <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine if the show starts next week and it's just someone completely different and it's like, Here's actually, Nikki. Nikki wasn't the host. No. We you? just needed a stand in. <laughs> so it would be me and Goose. And she's like, <laughs> it's just your cat. <laughs> Oh, God. I'll be back for Beetlejuice, everybody. I hope you guys like me. All right. See ya. <laughs> it's my time. That's all I'm being paid for. Bye. Is <laughs> it for being paid? <laughs> Just kidding. We have amazing patrons. Thank you. Our patrons are absolutely incredible, and I weep over how much I love them. Oh, uh, going back to decomposition. Right. So from like three weeks dead or undead, rather, mm-hmm. because he's like, I'm not dead. I'm undead. Right. I can't fucking die, you asshole. <laughs> A and great moment. So then it's like a few days later and he's green he's now. He's green. And I was like, that is not the path of decomposition. But then I also don't feel like I should have a qualm in a werewolf movie about I know. science. <laughs> I also had this similar qualm where I was like, I know it's for effect. So I was like, I'm not going to get yeah. too like uppity and upset about it. But also, if you notice, um, he's green. He's like gross and nasty in the movie theater. But the people that were killed by the werewolf before it was even David are totally fine. Did you notice the guys, the the men that are sitting in the row that are like, oh, uh, he should die, blah, blah, blah. And oh, he's no. like, I'm- David killed them. David killed them? Yeah. So it was done. That was originally a scene, but they took it out because I think people what? found it like so disturbing. Oh, but they left the car crashes. Okay. Well, qualms. Yeah. No, so you see, like, the uh, houseless folks, like, right. around the campfire, and then, like, the dog <gasps> runs off. Oh. Those are the three men that are killed. Oh, my God. Okay. I didn't even catch that. They took a scene out. That makes sense now, because yeah. I thought that they were people killed on the moors. That would make sense. So I was like, why aren't they decomposed? I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. That makes more sense now. Yes. I mean, it does not take away from the fact okay. that specifically david like not david jack decomposed way faster than everyone else slower and then faster (laughs) slower and then faster yeah um but yeah okay that makes more sense now i feel better um (laughs) i also don't know if you noticed this but it was very funny to me i don't know if it was deliberate or just a happy accident um in the hospital when he's first talking to david and he's got like you know pieces of skin and he's all gross mm-hmm. he's got one flappy bit on his yeah cheek. and it flaps a lot i <laughs> he talks that. like blah, 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 blah. Yep. 
(laughs) That's the sound of flapping. Uh, The scientific sound is. It was totally intentional. And I fucking love that. I like wrote a note and was like, funny flap. Because it's so, I, and like, that was the thing. I was like, is it intentional? Or did someone like not glue a piece down? And they were like, we're going to let it flap. (laughs) No, it was for gory effect. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's great. It was because it's. It's one of those things where, like, I need to hear what Jack is saying, but look at his cheek. Look at his fucking cheek, though. I spent so long staring at that, <laughs> like, too. makeup because I was just in awe of how cool it was. They did a good job. Yeah. It, they did a good job of not being able to tell what the fuck was what on his neck. Yep. I was like, what am I looking at? Mm-hmm. I, I literally, this is so embarrassing, but I, I have bad eyes, okay? And I, I can't see super well, even with my glasses. And for some reason, my TV's really far away from my couch. So at that moment, I paused it and I got up and I sat really close to their TV. Honey, turn the telly up. <laughs> I can't the- see it. I can't hear it. <laughs> I felt like I was like 80 years old. I got really close and I was like, no, what am I seeing here? Hold on. I like put my glasses just a little further on my nose. And I was like, now let me rewind. Like, in there. And so I had to rewind it so I could see. And yeah. I was like, that's great. Well, this is fun. Um, I rewound to see if his dong was hanging out. And you I rewound to see something actual in the movie. I, here's what's upsetting is I had to rent this movie. I had to fucking pay for it. And you know what's more upsetting is that I'm willing to pay for it again to see the dong. Like, I don't yep. remember this. Yeah. I'm not, it's not that I'm like, it's not that I'm like, you know, dong wild, okay? Yeah. I don't need to see it. No. My, mom, my mom was, sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> it's like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> it's not that I need to see a dong. What I'm saying is I can't believe that I missed a, yeah. a dong in a movie. That's. Yeah. It's when he's like running behind the tree. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. How did I miss this? <laughs> I just, the only, I feel like I have to defend myself now because no matter what I say, I sound wild for dong. What I'm saying is in movies, it's a very big double standard to show women like yes. fully front, like frontal nudity, mm-hmm. like all, you know, but in, for men, it's always like, well, we can't show their penis. No. So whenever it does happen in a movie, I usually, if I catch it, I'm like, yeah. oh, wow, that's yeah. for, you know. Unusual for it's a unusual because of the double standards. So when features. I saw his, like, butt in the movie mm-hmm. and they were purposely not showing his dong, as we're lovingly calling it, um, <laughs> I specifically was like, oh, classic. Like, of course, yeah. you know, they're going to hide that because that's... So for the... To know that I missed a dong mm-hmm. <laughs> is... Wow. Listen, I wasn't looking to clock the dog, but I did. Guess I have to pay four dollars to see this goddamn eh? dog. Listen, after we record, we'll split the difference. <laughs> we'll go absies so I can just see Actually, the Actually, I didn't watch the movie until yesterday, so I Oh my god, we're fine. We're good. Okay. We got this. We got it, everybody. I know that everyone was concerned about this, but don't worry, we figured it out. <laughs> Going back to decomposition Ooh. again. <laughs> yes, let's. I'm embarrassed. Uh, so the purpose of this bringing it all up is the dead have eyes. So yeah. as he's horrifically decomposed mm-hmm. and he's like mostly skeletal, he still right. has full on eyeballs. <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah, it was very Crypt Keeper. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that's like a thing in horror movies because like you feel like you're being watched because you are because they have eyes. Right. And so it's not like a thing in all horror movies. No. But it is fairly common for like the rules of decomposition to be bent so that they can still have eyeballs I, yeah it's like a way to humanize them on a way to be yeah. like yes they're scary but like you still want their dialogue to be listened to and it's yeah. easier to look at something that has eyes <laughs> so yeah yeah okay i get it yeah his eyes were just like big old bloop, yep. <laughs> normal eyeballs big old orbs uh <sighs> then we have okay so there are like 
a few that we don't need to talk about super in depth because we've talked about them before, but mm-hmm. one of them is like developing doomed characters. Mm-hmm. So that goes back to Blair Witch when you know at the top they're going to die. Right. And then like David's arc is pretty clear from the beginning. Right. This is a horror movie. He's It's not going to end with the power of love solving things. No. But you still are supposed to identify and empathize with these characters. Right. Yeah. And then this one, I don't like the title, but it's called Disposable Vagrant. Ooh. And I hate the word vagrant. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like, the entire cultural weight of it, but I think that it's really dehumanizing yeah, <laughs> to call I was like, houseless that's... people that. Right. Um, and there's a lot of, like, ways that we criminalize houselessness and, like, poverty that's really awful. Uh, but basically, this is pointing out that, you know, in It Follows, we had disposable sex worker. Right. Because, like... We talked about it. Right. Um, This was kind of played with here or averted in some ways because in the newspaper, apparently it does cover their deaths. Oh, okay. But they're also only given first names. And I think all the other people that were killed were given full names. Like, yeah. But of the six people, three of them were those like three gentlemen. Right. And then two of them were that rich couple. Right. And then uh, there was Jack. And then who are the other ones? I thought that was it. I thought it was the three men and then the, the couple and then Jack. He got someone else, but I don't remember who it was. Oh, I think it was the three people from the, the... businessman. Yeah, that was yeah. it. Yeah. That was it. I was going to say, I was like, I know there's one more, but I couldn't think of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's um, that trope. And then there's mm-hmm. dream within a dream. So like when he's right. like waking up from that horrific nightmare of his family being murdered. And then Alex is like, what's wrong? And then she goes to the window and then like... Still happening. Stabby, stab, stab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we've already talked about this one before, but evil detecting dog expanded <laughs> to evil detecting uh, cat. Yes. Oh yeah, that poor cat. And I was like, Misa's in this movie. <laughs> it did look like Miso. And they actually made that cat hiss by holding another cat near I it. I was gonna ask. I was like, I was like, in my notes, I was like, how'd they get this cat so much? They held another cat near it. They like seriously picked up a cat. Dude, the other cat face. was just like, I'm sorry, I, I have like, to. I don't want to be here either. <laughs> one of the cats is like a real professional. Mm-hmm. Like he was just like, get it together. <laughs> Control your shit. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for you. That cat had a trailer. It had its own mm. little trailer. Yeah. You know well, what it did. That's another fun fact is that Jack, the character that played Jack, yeah. the character that played Jack, the actor that played <laughs> Jack, uh, Dunn, he was using the restroom in one of the few movie trailers that had a restroom. Yeah. And the company started towing it, not realizing he was inside. <gasps> oh, <my> God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's very funny. I don't know how. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So we have evil detecting dog, which is all animals. Right. Uh, all mammals bark, hiss, make uh, aggressive movements yeah. towards or about him. Not, not, not happy. Because at one point he like runs through pigeons and it's like, they don't count. <laughs> right. Just I want to see one pissed off pigeon. Yeah. Oh, I'm speaking of my cat's here. <laughs> he's just like aggressively pecking. It's fine. I like felt it. I was like, Get, no. Noodle. <laughs> he's noodle. <laughs> he's noodle. Oh, hello. Uh, and then there's evil feels good. And we've actually had that a few times. I don't think I've brought it up, uh, cause it's just kind of minor, but it's where like being evil feels great. Right. And, like eating Which the flesh happening. of other people. He feels amazing after he murders six right. people and doesn't yeah. remember it. And like right. Jennifer felt really great after she killed some boys. Right. Um, then there is, we've already talked about genre savvy. The hand or object underwear is when he... Covers up with his hand or the balloons. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's just played for comedic effect. Right. Then there's the hope spot. And we've talked about this before. I don't yeah. remember where, but we it's that, that moment where like hope is crushing. Oh, it was in the descent. 
Oh, right. Because Holly thinks she sees light. light. Yep. Yeah. And so it's that hope spot where um, she thinks, like, for a second, it looks like he is going to be turned like, by the power of love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they even got me. I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> and then this is another one. Okay. It's called the Idiot Bowl. Oh. And I'm just going to read, like, the text of tvtropes.com. Yeah. So here's a quote. A moment where a normally competent character suddenly becomes incompetent, which fuels in an episode or small plotline. Coined by Hank Azaria on Herman's head, Azaria would ask the writing staff who's carrying the idiot ball this week. This is generally not a compliment. Frequently, the person carrying the idiot ball is acting out of character, misunderstanding something that could be cleared up by asking a single reasonable question, or not performing a simple action that would solve everything. It's almost as if the character holding the ball is being willfully stupid or obtuse far beyond what has been established as natural for them. Frequently, it's only because the story, and by extension the writers, need them to act this way, or else the chosen plot conflict for the episode won't happen. Right. So in this case, the quote-unquote idiot ball is them stepping off the road on the moors. Because they're already lost. It's not like they're, we're taking a shortcut. They right. don't know where they're going. Like, there's no reason. They've yeah. been told to stay on the road. And then they're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then like, oh, shit, they told us to stay on the road and we're off the road. And then they laugh about it. And so it's like they have to transgress in that way yeah. to be attacked by a werewolf. Right. Like, yeah. they have to. <laughs> That's great. The idiot ball. Yeah. And then there's the classic jump scare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one, when I was watching, I was like, is this breaking the fourth wall? Is this the fourth wall won't protect you? It's actually neither of those. It's mm. leaning on the fourth wall. So leaning on the fourth wall is something usually dialogue that does make sense in context within the scene, but it can also be read as recognizing that it is operating within fiction. Yeah. So in this case, it's not dialogue. It's when David is transforming for the first time and like he's screaming and he reaches out desperately yeah. towards the camera, making eye contact <gasps> with the audience as if pleading for help from us. Right. So in that moment, it makes sense for him to be just like, please God, anyone help me. But you're also seeing him staring into your fucking eyes. Spooky. And so it feels like this breaking of the fourth wall, but it's not totally broken because he's not like, I see you there. Aren't you wondering how I got here? Right. He's just reaching out as like, someone please. Yep. Then we have the classic mirror scale. Scare. Mirror scare. Where he like shuts the Mm -hmm. mirror and then Jack is behind him. And then I mentioned this slightly earlier. Never trust a trailer. So we had this with Jennifer's body. Oh, yeah. But this one is slightly different. And so apparently when they were, like, releasing trailers and stuff, they were saying, like, um, this is from the same director as Animal House. Animal House is not horror. No. <laughs> At least not traditionally horror. I think right. it's probably horrific in misogyny. it's horrific. <laughs> but one of the articles said that people, like, left the theater because they were scared because they thought it was going to be a funny, raunchy comedy. <laughs> and it was a horror movie. Oh, my god. So when gosh. they say, like, oh, this is from the same person as this wildly different film. It is. Mm-hmm. They're not lying. <laughs> no. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, we that's have funny. The Sinister, Sub- Sinister Subway. Oh, yeah. Really yeah. speaking good tonight. So... I think it's interesting to look at this one in the context of gothic horror Mm -hmm. um, because it doesn't, I think, encapsulate like all of the tenets of that like inescapable place, but it does get some of them. Right. So there's like subways are a staple in horror. 
They're abandoned. They're long. They're probably dirty because upkeep in a city with a subway. <laughs> right. And they're also winding. Like there's there are, a lot of tunnels. Mm-hmm. It's confusing. There are often limited exits. There are escalators. There are all sorts of fatal accidents. Like mind the gap. Don't step on the oh, third rail. Like there's so many spooky. ways to die. Yeah. That horror movies exploit. Right. Endless tunnels. Uh, so it could, there's so many aspects to make a subway sinister. Right ominously empty suddenly oh, it was so empty <laughs> yeah so that's the sinister subway there's yeah. also the soundtrack dissonance and you know like when they play blue moon like three I different times loved it the music was great <sighs> so every single song with lyrics had was moon centric right and they tried to get covers or like songs about moons by cat stevens oh and a few other people and I'm trying to remember who it was. I don't think it was Cat Stevens, but one of the people was like, no, you can't use my song because I believe that werewolves are real. No. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. So there were like three, <laughs> there were three moon songs that they yeah. wanted and they could not get the rights to. And one of them was because. I need to know. I'll do a Google. Don't okay. worry. Okay. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes, yes. hopefully, if we can find it. Because mm-hmm. I need to, I'm, I don't want to put them on blast, but I got to know who I thinks werewolves are real. Yep. Oh my God, what if they are? They're not. And then what we if? have the twisted echo cut. This oh. is going to be like an aliens moment for you. Like, werewolves, I didn't mean it. <laughs> it I'm already like, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm really I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, werewolves. I didn't mean it. Okay. Uh, so the twisted echo cut. This is a direct quote from tvtropes.com because I didn't think that I would be able to summarize it very well. So it's when a subject is being discussed by one group and the camera cuts to another where the dialogue seems continuous Uh and it seems like it's an answer to or is vaguely linked to the first scene, but it isn't actually linked except on the stylistic level. The context and subject have been changed, but an element of the last conversation has been carried over, creating the impression of a clever link when none actually exists. It often takes the form of a question. In this movie, it's not dialogue. It's like that artsy move when yeah. uh, the rich dude that's going to die uh, steps on his friend's arm. Oh, and yeah. And he looks down, realizes it's his friend's arm. He opens his mouth to scream. Mm-hmm. And then the scene immediately cuts to a phone ringing. Oh, so it's almost like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so I like that. the phone like a scream, but it's... Ah, I love yeah. I love moments like that. That's cool. And then I have one more trope. And it's called, you have to believe me. <laughs> when a character finds out about a sinister plot or otherworldly threat or somehow fantastical hard to leave thing and then try to convince other people it exists in the exact wrong way (laughs) so there are (laughs) common trends in you have to believe me and this is quoted from tvtropes.com beautiful list one they will continually repeat a bizarre claim in a panicked voice two they will avoid mentioning what led them to believe it in the first place. Oh my god. Three, they will be vague on details. <laughs> Four, they will never consider sticking to the provable parts of the story for the time being. <laughs> Five, most importantly, they will be stunned and angry that anyone would find their claim implausible, regardless of how implausible it would be if they weren't completely flushing any credibility they might otherwise have down the toilet in their method of persuasion. And then in six... In extreme cases, they may respond to skepticism by wondering out loud if the disbeliever is in on it or one of them. (laughs) And if anyone tries to calm them down, rather than taking a few deep breaths, sitting down for a moment and coming back to the problem in a calmer fashion, they will immediately violently lash out, thus prompting the immediate summoning of the nearest security guards to have them ejected from the premises. (laughs) That's great. I can just picture so many movies where it's... Yep. And my brain, as soon as I read this, was like, yeah, chicken little. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Hold on. <laughs> the sky is falling. <laughs> yes, yes, I know what you mean. This is just the second time you've brought up a movie with the word chicken in it. And it's just, I'm sensing some weird trend. <laughs> I just, Don't mention the chickens. <laughs> you, you and chickens. It actually is a theme in my life, but we don't have to get into that. We will someday. <laughs> Join our Patreon where I make Kate tell me all about the chickens. Because <laughs> listen, I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. We got to move on. I'll stick here forever. So those are my tropes. Chickens. Oh, I missed one earlier. I got all the way down to Y and realized there was another T left. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> town with the dark secret. Oh, so yeah. So it's like everyone in the town is in on it. Yeah. And it's like this secret that like the protagonist just stumbles into and has to figure out as they muddle through and they like slowly realize <laughs> like not right. so examples are stepford wives and the wicker man right yeah yeah and i'm sure like a shit ton more <laughs> oh god yeah i just like pulled ones that i knew and right so, yeah town with the dark secret is like they walk into the bar and they're like what's that pentangle and they're what's like you mustn't pentangle? know <laughs> and in my notes in this moment what i oh, wrote god was don't ask about the star he's all caps sensitive about it (laughs) (laughs) sweet little pentangle and then i did have a theory this is unrelated to the pentangle but they mentioned several times there's no food here and i think it's more than not wanting them to stay i think it's because they're afraid that food would draw a wolf to them yeah as soon as he said that i was like i wonder if it's because they were like there's no food here there's no food here like no we can't like wolves love toast you know listen i'm not a wolf but if i was you know i'd chow down on some toast oh for sure i had toast last night Mm. i love toast me and my friend uh shout out they're amazing i don't want to say their name without their consent uh but we have an insatiable toast theory and it's that once someone mentions toast you You want toast and that craving is insatiable until you have toast we've said it so many times now that like yes i might have toast i had toast this morning oh I mm-hmm. could go for more. So, like, I have reset my, like, You're toast okay. alarm. I mean, I had it last yeah. night, but, like, that wasn't soon enough. It's coming up. Oh, yeah. shit. Shit, I gotta make toast. Yep. Yeah. So. <laughs> Those are the, good tropes. On the toast note. On, on that toast note. <laughs> are we getting to rating the movie? We are, which I've, I've been trying to think of some, but I know you already have some. I have, they're uh, choices. They're uh, interesting. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. I start off pretty, um mellow with stolen balloons okay yeah mm-hmm. which is another thought I had. Uh, okay. confused zoo wolves because <laughs> i'm like why are you here uh, oh fuck non-decomposed eyeballs <laughs> okay beautiful moons moons right and then covers of blue moon because there are three covers of the movie three blue moon. Covers. <laughs> yeah. those are the things that i came up with <laughs> oh my gosh those were so good um, the first thing that popped into my head for some reason was Disney figurines because there were oh, like, the Mickey Mouse figurines. There were multiple yeah, in this movie, which here's a fun little, uh, fun little note for everybody. A little behind the scenes secret. Mm. Uh, a universal during like hiring and everything. Don't come from universal. I'm so sorry if this is a big secret, but you do trash talk Disney. <laughs> um, big surprise there, but yeah. in the like hiring thing when they tell you all about like here's how you should talk to guests and here's that they specifically added moments from like disney where they'll be like disney doesn't even do this but we do and so when i saw the disney figurines i was like what are you doing what are you doing universal Mm. (laughs) you calling them out like (laughs) they got beef guys they got beef 
Um, Didn't even know. I think <laughs> we got. I think we gotta go with the <laughs> the confused zoo wolves. <laughs> I sensed that was what you were gonna. <laughs> you know, I like those weirdly specific ones because they're just like. Because hmm. the, the only other one I could think of was um, out of place porn moans, and then I was um, like, "That's too much. That's too much." Uh, and we gotta go with confused <laughs> zoo wolves. Um, okay, I think. Am I first or are you first this time? Uh, I think you went I'm f- first. Yes, because I went first with ginger snaps. Okay. I'm having a hard time with this because <laughs> I had very serious qualms with it. Yes. I also thought it expertly melded comedy and horror. I don't think that it's like the seminal werewolf movie. No. Um, because we already saw ginger snaps, duh. <laughs> duh. Uh, I will give it upwards of three. Yeah. But I'm not sure how far upwards. So I have like confused zoo wolves that are wondering if they're going to come into the fold. Right. And they may approach later. They may. Yeah. So tentatively three confused zoo wolves. Okay. Okay. Zoo wolves. Zoo wolves. <laughs> How dare you. Um, I, okay. So if I'm, if I'm not taking into consideration like my qualms and I'm just adding in mm-hmm. like camera work the lighting Mm -hmm. and like the plot itself and the comedy and everything i I would genuinely give it like four and a half Mm. confused zoo wolves just because i really liked the jokes and how they don't give you a moment to like think in this movie Mm -hmm. they're just like you're either gonna laugh or scream go Mm -hmm. i really liked that but like you said i my qualms were really there were some bad ones that i really was like okay I, I don't I don't like that. So I think I'm the same where like if I'm taking those out, it's four and a half confused zoo wolves. Yeah. But if I'm taking into consideration yeah. everything, I gotta say like three. Yeah. Like you said. I, I think three is like a yeah. good number because like that's pretty high. Yeah. But I, I have to take it's into consideration the fact that like y'all did some things. <laughs> it's movies not free of sin. No. <laughs> <laughs> um but it but still, very good movie. Yeah. Like you know, like we said, everything's problematic, okay? Yeah. Just be ready to accept that. I ha- like I, I still recommend this movie. Yeah. If you like monster movies and you like especially like com- comedic horror movies, it's very good. This is for you. It really is. It, oh, it's a good yeah. movie. It is made well. It's yeah. it's very pretty. The cinematography is really cool. Um, but just know that there are many qualms. Yeah. <laughs> So it's one of those that I would encourage folks to like check the content warnings. One hundred percent. I mean, especially the car crash because that yes. can be very triggering. For I, people. Like I, I recommend it for like most movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially horror movies, just because like mm-hmm. you know you're not you don't know for sure what's gonna happen. Everything takes like yeah. I had no idea this was gonna have intense car crash scenes. That's not really a normal monster movie thing. Nope. So yeah, I recommend taking into consideration our qualms. Taking into consideration you know, what you feel about yeah. certain things. And then, yeah, I still recommend it though. Yeah, I would recommend watching this. 100%. I thought it was a fun movie to watch. I did. I had a good time. Like, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I'm used to having to look past some things and not look past, but like, I'm used to being like, I accept that this is not okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. still sure. uh, three confused wolves. Yeah, that's not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, that's like starting a pack. That's that's like almost a full pack, yeah, y'all. It's almost a full pack. I know nothing about wolves. Maybe I don't two either. Is a pack. Maybe one. A lone wolf. Is a lone wolf his own pack? Maybe. We gotta get an expert on the show. We need a I am replacing you. <laughs> well, as we talked about earlier, I was never on the show. I'm just, just a, a guest. guest. 
can't wait to come back for Beetlejuice. Um, I cannot believe that I forgot that I'm on this show. I'm so tired. It's been a week. Okay. It's been a week. It's been a solid, tiring few On Tuesday, I was years. like, what a week, man. <laughs> Literally. It was Monday and I went, oh, this week. Yep. Every day since Tuesday, I was like, is it Friday? No. And then tomorrow, it genuinely is Friday. Yep. Three-day weekend. So excited. Okay. Okay. So I think that wraps up our discussion. I think so. So we agreed generally on three confused zoo wolves. Yeah. 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 So this wraps up our discussion of an American werewolf in London. If you enjoyed your time with us, we would really appreciate it if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That really does help other people find our show. So much. So much. We also just really love reading what you say. I do. It's true. It makes me happy. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Just Fool With It. Every Wednesday, we'll post the movie for the week so that mm-hmm. you can watch it in advance if that is something that you like doing. Yeah, we'll usually put where you can get the movie. Um, if I forget, uh, remind me and I'll put it. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. We're happy to answer that. Yeah. And then check out our extended show notes on the website, justgoolwithitpod.com, or maybe even take a look at our Patreon at patreon.com slash justgoolwithit. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank Kim, Kelly, Nehar, and Will, our wonderful patrons who actually chose this movie for they us. Did. Thank you. We had a blast. We really did. The intro and outro music was created by Anthony Roccozella, and the cover art is by our very own Nikki Solomon. That's me. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, let's 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 howl at the moon, Kate. Oh, uh, wait, I forgot how to howl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is going well, I what think. What are wolves? <laughs> I think that went really well. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where it'll stop. (laughs) See you next week. That does sound like something I do. Yeah, I was like, I don't know why you're like, no.